God's presence is here, isn't it? We need his presence, don't we? I love that he reminds us of that. He reminds us because he's faithful to us that don't forget, don't forget you cannot do it without me. It's so easy to get moving. We've been talking about this a lot and in, in, into the Tuesday night as well, that we can get moving on our own. <laughs> we get going somewhere on our own. And then we turn around and God's saying, hey, hey, don't forget, I'm over here. Don't get ahead of me. I've got a way. I've got a plan. You know, when the devil can't get you into disobedience, when he can't get you into sin, and as the maturity of Christ starts, keeps maturing you, and I'm not saying that there aren't little uh, things slipping out of our mouths while we're driving and whatever, but if he can't get you, I'm not discounting that as nothing either, but the major sin, if the devil can't get you to just walk away from God, then what he'll, his strategy is that he'll let you keep serving God. He'll say, I'm not going to stop this person from serving God, so why don't I just put so much distraction, so much stuff around them, good things, godly things around them, so that they stop following God in the process. How weird is that? Doing godly things, and yet we've missed the will of God. Jesus, do you know, had all of his strength instantaneously. I don't know if he was born with it or once the Holy Spirit came upon him that then all the strength, but one way or the other, at the moment that he went into the wilderness where the devil tempted him to use his strength, to use his will, to use what he had in him for himself, to either to relieve himself of the hardship that he was in or to give himself glory, he resisted because it wasn't the will of the Lord. Even though we know that he had the ability within him. He had the strength within him right then and there. We know it. Because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he was, he was ready to go and be the Christ. He was born Jesus. That was the name they gave him. But the Christ, the Messiah, he was beginning his ministry. He comes right out of the wilderness and that's it. He, he starts moving as the Christ. But he tells us many times, I only do what the Spirit or the Father, depending on the Scripture, directs me to do, and I only say what He tells me to say. That's such an important thing for us, because I believe I'm talking to a mature crowd here. I'm talking to mature believers. I'm talking to believers that know. You know God, and you have been pushing the things that the devil's been, you know, some things are so obvious, right? But, but uh, some Christians, they don't see it so obvious and they have been brought away. We've seen people pulled away in sin. But when you get to be a mature believer where those things are just not going to touch you anymore, the only strategy he can do, and that's all he could do with Christ, is try to get you to start doing things in your own strength and your own will. Do you know that it's just as much sin <laughs> as murdering someone? as it is to be in your own will. 
Because the reality is, what is sin? Does God have a list? Does he have a, a, a checklist? Is there a tier system? Is there a flow chart of sin? It's not a reward system. God has a line. There's a line of life and death. And after life and death, there's another line. There's only one place. It's either heaven or hell. Now, there are rewards as a believer and as, as living for him and, and, and giving your life for him. There are many rewards that he will give believers. But he is not going to reward sin. Period. Our will is sin. Our will and our strength. God is not interested in what you can do. He's not interested, and now this is sharp. <laughs> He's not interested in your dream, but I'm going to be very quick. Don't, don't freak out on me. But he'll put a dream in your heart. He's not saying don't dream. He's not saying just sit on the couch and wait around. Believe me, God is, 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 he is so busy right now because time is wrapping up. When we wait on the Lord, it doesn't mean you're doing nothing. <laughs> it means you are just relying on him. And if you are relying on him, believe me, there are countless people around us all the time that need him. And he has got a word inside you for them. He's got his power in you for them. And I just believe at this time, maybe more than ever, maybe not. Maybe this is just, this is the gospel. This is what it always is. But especially then, I'll say, for the times we're living in, we need to rely on his spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 3, and we love this prayer. We shouldn't forget this prayer. We should remember this constantly. He said in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, I pray that from His glorious, unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in him and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. God's spirit is your strength. You do not have strength without his spirit. You have no strength. You are no match for the enemy without his strength. Remember that you are a spirit. You are living in a body, but you are really a spirit. Rich and I were having this conversation the other night. This body, no matter how long, do you know even with amazing faith, Jesus, the, um, rather, I'm sorry, the Father said, 120 years, that's it. No more. It's just too long to live on this earth. I can faith it out and believe and stay healthy and keep believing. And I may hit that 120. 
eventually the Lord says, it's time to come home. Why? Because that's only a body. It's a temporary place. You're a spirit. And remember, if you are spirit, then the place where it really matters, the place where things are really happening then, eternally, is spirit. And don't forget that the enemy, Satan, was sitting with God. Actually, Lucifer means reflecting of light. His job was to reflect the glory of God. So don't think he doesn't know a little bit more in the spiritual realm than you do in your temporary earthly mind. But in the spirit, who thinks <laughs> that God, who reflected his glory, come on, where did the glory come from? All he is is a copycat. All he has is a reflection. All he has is, is a picture. We've got the real thing. Come on. Remember that? I think it was Pepsi or Coke. I don't know. I've got the real thing. And with the real thing inside you, real spirit of God inside you, strengthening your spirit, then the enemy can't touch you. And that's why I said that during prayer. Remember, we have died when we come to Christ. And that, that old man, is, he's trying to grab... Onto you your whole life trying to come back, doesn't he? It's a dead man. That person is no longer you and it tries to come back. It's not going to win. You're going to win. But that person has died and the spirit man in you is instantly seated with Christ next to the Father. And the Bible says that that's exactly what happens here in Ephesians the Spirit of God comes in. He does a work. Christ makes a home in your heart. I in you and you in me. That means that our spirit right now is in His heart in heaven. But Christ then, because we've become one, just like a husband and wife, the mystery here in Ephesians as well, the mystery of the two flesh becoming one, Christ is equally here inside of us walking on this earth. And it's His Spirit that's leading. The only time that the enemy is successful, and I couldn't remember, and I never got a chance to go back and listen to, my, to, to see if I said it. So I'm going to say it again if I said it last week. I was in my notes, just sometimes I don't say what's in my notes. But obedience is our greatest weapon. There is not a weapon greater. Ephesians, again, tells us about the weapons of God. And those are amazing weapons, Ephesians 6. But those weapons are irrelevant without obedience. They only get activated with our obedience. And in fact, even Jesus, the Son of God, His strength came... He did what he did, the Bible tells us clearly, because of obedience. We need to lean upon him. It's such, a, it's such a tough thing to explain, and we get this because we're spirit, but how do you, how do you describe? <laughs> how do you describe it except you all know what I'm talking about? that inside of you, your mind is, is saying all these different things. 
and your mind's trying to figure it out. And, we, and I know I talk about this often. It's just either it's my message for this year or my message for life. I don't know, but it just keeps coming. And this divide of your mind and your spirit. But your mind is going to keep trying to rule. It's going to keep trying to, to dissect and figure everything out. And you, just as I said weeks ago, you have to tell it to shut up. Because it will not stop. It will not until you take authority over it. And it doesn't mean that it will necessarily be instant. Instant. It doesn't mean that the power of Christ in you to, to take authority is not there. It just means that it's a very powerful thing. <laughs> and you just keep telling it and keep telling it and keep telling it. And who has noticed your mind gets quieter? When, the more you lean upon him, the more you do what? Well, it's very simple. He told us what to do. And we came into Joshua, and I want to look at continuing the book of Joshua, that the key for him was to meditate on the word every day, was to not even let it out of your mouth. Now, if he told him to do that, it was for a reason, and it's because the moment you stop speaking the word, <laughs> The moment you stop speaking spirit, it's not very hard for you to speak flesh, is it? Your mind will instantly speak on its own. <laughs> you don't have to try. And he said, listen, Joshua, you're my boy. And I got great things for you to do. And I love you. But listen to me, if you can just please listen to me, because and if you do, he said, and if you do, you will make your way prosperous. And I love the wording of that scripture. You will make your way prosperous. You, even though it's, as I said last week, I, as about the manna, it was 100% God, but you took it and, and mixed it and beat it and ground it and, and made it into bread, but it was 100% there. My word is 100% complete. The power is there. It's complete. Christ has already paid a price for you. There's eternity waiting for you. There's rewards waiting for you. But the activation of it is you taking it and making it a part of you. And once you start to chew on that word and meditate on that word, and believe that word, then what's going to come out of you is word. But it doesn't change the fact the word has not lost its power just because you're not using it. Just because it's not working in your life doesn't mean that the word is not the word. It was just as much powerful uh, as the word before it was even written as it was when it was written as it is today, the Word is, was always the Word. Christ is the Word, was the Word, before creation was even made. That means that everything you see created, every trial, every obstacle, every job that says we're going to hire you, we're going to fire you, or whatever it is in your life, the Word was before that, which means you have a tool in your submission, in your obedience to it, and, and simultaneously, Jesus said, don't be sorrowful that I'm leaving because it's good 
that I leave. Because if I leave, then I get to send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to do one thing. He's going to shine the light back on me. I'm here in the flesh. The flesh part of me is going to be gone. But don't worry, because you disciples, you're going to just get the inspiration. You're going to start penning things down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that I said to you, and you didn't even remember. Did you notice that Matthew comes in partway to his story? I was just reading. I felt just to read through. We should be constantly, commercial break, we should constantly never assume that you know the word, ever. Because at that very moment, the devil's got you twisted. <laughs> Can I give you part of a commercial? Can we continue that? I've got a good example. I love to bow hunt today's opening day. So I've been practicing in my free time, just I go out and I start shooting arrows. And I had practiced, came over here and in the field and practiced and shot some arrows and I shot really well. So I was like, okay, I feel confident. If I don't feel confident, then I'm not gonna get in the tree. I'm not gonna do that to an animal. So the other day, I was like, hmm, maybe I should shoot a few arrows just to stay fresh. And I thought, I don't need to. I shot great the other day. And it wasn't a pride thing. I was just like, I shot fine. Like, you know what? That's, that's a poor attitude. That's the worst way to think because then you're going to shoot terrible. So I went outside <laughs> and it got in my head and I was just the Lord proving as soon as you think you're something that you've got it, is the Lord shows you instantaneously. He shows you so quick, and he'll use the things that you do. Use the things that you're into to show you something. Don't get, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't get prideful. You've got nothing, and you're no one. And, and I had uh, had this little shooting block that I shoot into, and it's small, but I don't usually miss it completely. It's just not necessarily my target. So the other day I went out and it just, and I do this shot and the arrow doesn't hit the block and I hear a crack. And I'm like, oh my gosh, where is that arrow? And I cannot find it anywhere, anywhere. And I open my shed and my son's electric scooter is laying on his side and the arrow had gone into the floor plate of it. And it's so much power that it went, it was aluminum and it went right through the aluminum. I've never done that before. I have a backstop and it's a bigger story of why I shot the direction I did, but that's not important. The point was that the Lord showed me commercial break. Don't assume you know. Don't assume that you know the word. I've probably shot a thousand arrows at this point. I should not miss ever. And the point is, is that it's constant, 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 constant at the very moment that you put that word down. The very moment you go, I prayed yesterday, or we just had a prayer meeting on Friday night. I'm good for the weekend. At that very moment is the moment that the devil will slip in. And you're gonna miss. You're gonna miss it. And the Lord's just, he's caught, he's, he loves us so much, doesn't he? That's why he tells us to watch. He says, watch. One of the signs of the times, of the end times, is that people would say, oh, they've been saying he's been coming back for a long time. 
And I love that I'm hearing that now. People are like, ah, you know, don't be focused on that. Just focus on life and love and your family and don't worry about, either what, why you have to worry about it? Eventually you're just gonna, we're gonna go to heaven or hell anyway. So just live your life and enjoy life. But, but Jesus tells us to watch. He tells you to watch always, constantly, because you don't know when I'm coming back. Well, I believe Jesus more than the populace. I don't care if people think it's not important. If Jesus thought it was important to tell me 2,000 years ago to watch today, then I believe him. And I love that people are saying that and doubting that because that means we're close. Second commercial break. It says in Hebrews, Hebrews 11, we read in the Hall of Faith, It says, by faith, people, verse 33, overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. And they escaped death by the edge of the sword. But here's the key. It wasn't because of them. What is faith? Faith was, it's not me. It's him. And because of that faith, their weakness, their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong. They became strong. I love the way the NLT says that. They became strong. You weren't strong. You were weak. Just accept it. You're not a good shot. You need more practice. Always. You don't know my word yet because you're not dead yet. There's still a mind in there. There's still flesh in there. And it's dying, but don't think you know yet because you don't. But because of faith, which is, it's all you, God, not me, they became strong. And as I was thinking, let's move into Joshua. As I was thinking about Joshua and thinking about them moving in, and I preached last week for the last two weeks about them coming into the promised land and taking on Jericho, right? But I forgot because I, I started reading ahead. And in chapter 14, we read about a character who we didn't read about in the first chapters, but he went in with them. And his name is Caleb. And Caleb... Caleb was technically based on his age, based on um, who he was before. He should have died with the rest of the generation before. Remember, we preached on it that the new generation came in, the next generation came in, but there was a reason why Caleb was able to go in. Caleb went in and fought, and in fact, not only did he go in and fight with the people, but it says, it says that he was 85 years old and that he was just as strong. <laughs> it says that he said of himself, he was testifying, I'm just as strong now as I was when Moses told me to go in 
and spy out the land 45 years ago. Now, was he just as strong because he had a great workout plan? Was he just as strong because he was just copying what the young men were doing? He found a strength that nobody found. We guesstimate that the people of Israel at this particular time were in the millions. There's all kinds of different math where they say it was the, they count the men, count the women, count the children. But most likely it was in the millions of people that doubted God. And yet it says of Caleb, we can find the story here in Numbers, that it says that God told Moses in Numbers chapter 13 in verse 27, he said, I want you to go in, I want you to go in, I'm sorry, a little bit back, Numbers 13 verse 1, go in, verse 2, send out men to explore the land of Canaan. Look what it says. It says, the land I am giving to the Israelites. The Lord said, I'm going to give you this land. And as I say many times, when God says he's going to do something, you better believe that he's going to do it. God will do what he says he was going to do, plain and simple. And what we need to know as Christians is when God says he's going to do something, that's the very moment where we need to forget us. We need to forget what we see, what we think, and what we know, and just trust God. And honestly, I believe that as his church in this, in this time, that's exactly what we need to do because I've been saying it a lot, but it's, I just, it's the Lord. It's the Spirit of the Lord. If you look with your natural eyes at the world today, you're going to come up with 1,000 different scenarios of what the times are and what is going on in the church and what is going on for believers and, and, and what we should focus on in this time and year and so on. We have to get God's heart. We have to lean upon Him. He has told us that he's going to come back. Fact. He told us to watch and be ready. Fact. He told us, don't go away from my word. Don't forsake the assembling together of the believers. He told us some things, facts, to keep us with our eyes on him. So then it says... After God warned them, and after he told them, and after he showed them so many things. It says in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, that this was their report. Come on, everybody, I want you to say out loud. Their report. Their report was poor. It says we entered the land, and we know the story, right? But I just, we just want to breeze through it anyway. That we entered the land, you sent us to explore this land, and it is beautiful. And, and God, it seems like you're, you're in this. It certainly seems like this is yours. But verse 28 says, but. The big but. God doesn't like big buts. 
but the people live there. The people living there are powerful. What their minds should be saying right now is irrelevant. And their towns are large, irrelevant, and fortified, irrelevant. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. And, and, oh, but God, you don't understand. Everybody right now, everybody says, you don't need to, to worry about, preach, you don't need to think about the end. Oh, but God, you don't understand. The, when I'm looking out there, I see that right now it's this or it's that or it's so hard or, or it, uh, you know, they've been saying you're coming, etc. and all these things, and we come up with all these different scenarios. We come up with all these things based on the things we're seeing. But in verse 30, it says, Caleb, but Caleb, here's another but. God likes this but. He likes Caleb's but. Because but Caleb tried what's his children everybody loves their baby's little tushy he likes Caleb Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses let's go at once to take the land he said we certainly can conquer it did Caleb have the strength to take on the giants of the land. Why is he so confident in this statement he made? Because he heard, whether it was out loud, or whether Moses came and shared it with the people, one way or another, Moses made it clear that God told us, this is our land. God said, this is our land. God said, as I've been saying these last few weeks, this is my way. This is my way and it's my way. And there is no other way. This is my land. And now the people are doubting God. That's what they're doing. They're not really listening to the report that the report is causing them to doubt God. They have decided, this is where that song comes from, come on, old church, whose report will you believe? We will believe the report of the Lord. It says, they pleaded with them in chapter 14, verse 9, do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community, verse 10, began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> Commercial break. You stand up for the Lord, even your own people, even the church may look to stone you. But this is the other amazing thing I love about this story. Is even though there were millions of people, millions of people who believed this report that this was impossible. Caleb, it says, Caleb had a different spirit. 
Verse 24, but my servant Caleb has a different, pull it up. Actually, this is not, the NLT calls it attitude, which is very relevant, but it's actually much more serious than that. Pull it up in the New King James. It says that he has a different spirit, which would have an attitude, wouldn't it? Either your attitude or God's attitude. He had a different spirit. His spirit was lined up with God's spirit. And even when, come on church, you need to know this now. Because the Bible says in the end times, it will not be the world who persecutes you. Don't forget that. It's not the world. Remember, the Romans did not crucify Jesus. His own people did. The Romans just carried out the act. Your own people one day, as harsh and as crazy as that is, we call that the great falling away or the great apostasy. There will be a time where even millions of people are going to look with their natural eyes. All this story was as a picture of God said, this is the way it is. This is my kingdom. This is, this is where we're headed. This is what we're doing, etc. I'm coming back. This is my word. He said a lot of things, didn't he, to us. And this is the way. And then there's a people that say, well, let's just change it. Let's make it more comfortable. Let's make it work for us, etc. Let's apply it to this time. But Caleb says, I've got a different way of looking at things. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care who it offends. I don't care how uncomfortable it is for you to hear what I have to say, but this is the truth. I'm just going to trust in God no matter what. And we need to say that now. We need to realize that there are two spirits. And the majority spirit, many times, we can see this common trend through the whole Bible, right till the very end. The majority spirit is usually just like them, rebellious, in fear, in doubt, and in worry. And I've been preaching to you about with those words. I've been saying those words each week because we, we need to get our eyes on him and we need our grounding, we need our strength, we need our heart, we need our soul, we need our mind grounded in Christ and his word alone, period. We cannot mix other things in there because the reality that they missed here was that this condition, what they saw in the land was completely and totally irrelevant, because I'll read it later on in Joshua chapter 14. God did bring the people in, didn't he? Because God said he would. It's 45 years later, but what God said he would do, he would do. And here's Caleb. His entire generation didn't make it. Listen to me. Every single one except for Joshua didn't say he had the, he had the same spirit. Obviously he did. His entire generation was gone. Every single one. You can't, it's unimaginable. Jesus said, broad and wide is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the road that leads to life, and few find it. But I love his words here. It says, verse 8, My brothers who went with me frightened the people. 
See, not, it doesn't just affect you. As I say in almost every sermon, God's working on you, but when he works on you, you are the light of the world. So whatever your light is, is the light that the people around you are seeing. God didn't like that other <laughs> report. <laughs> All 10 of those other spies, by the way, they didn't make it very long. Bible says that God killed them pretty much right then and there. Because it wasn't just them not believing God. They affected the entire people. It is so important that we get his heart because he, God has placed you in a family. He's placed you in a neighborhood. He's placed you in a community. He's placed you in a church. It's not just you. It's you. I mean, Caleb makes it, but it's also the people around you. And instead, they frighten the people from entering the promised land. For my part, though, I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. And he says, verse 10, As you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised. For all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. Verse 11, I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey, and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the land you promised me. <laughs> Come on. He said, you will remember that as scouts we found. You know, he's, he's saying, listen, <laughs> I'm standing. I found a strength in God, and I paid the price, and the promise is coming. The Lord doesn't mind you grabbing a hold of the promise when you paid the price. When you stop talking about the promise without paying the price. The Lord has no problem with this. <laughs> Come on, let's talk about the promise when you have walked with God for these 45 years and stayed, even though nobody else did. He said, so give me that hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there. So not only, he doesn't just want land. He's like, you know what land I want? I want that exact land that nobody thought we could take. That, that exact place, he said, uh, I want that land. I will drive them out. What does he say? But if the Lord, come on, I want you to say out loud, let's stand. Let's stand. I want you to say it out loud. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out. Just as the Lord said. Lord, we thank you that you've called us. We thank you, Lord, that you have set our feet upon the rock. You have paid the price. Lord, we can fast forward to the New Testament. Paul's still praying the same prayer that Caleb was praying. I would, if you could get this, I want you to get the Spirit of God. That's the only way you're going to make it. I pray that you get that. Because if you get that spirit where and Christ is dwelling in you, there's nothing you can't do. There is nowhere you can't go. We thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here with us, leading us.
And there are obstacles ahead. You are not unaware and neither are we. They are ahead of us. And there are walls and there are giants. But I thank you, Lord, that the strength in me is the same today as when you called me because it was never my strength. Thank you, Lord. It was always your strength. And that's the strength we're going to lean on till the very end. In Jesus' name. And every single enemy, every single obstacle is going to fall before us. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.